Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion. Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, It is not Monday. It's Tuesday, so we will have interviews. It will not be two hours of open phone lines, but we're going to be talking to St. Thomas Moore Offensive Coordinator Shane Savoir in the next segment. And then our weekly interview with Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter at 10:15. But in and around that, there will be open. The game hotline is open, so if you would like to get in now, or um, the third segments of either hour, the first segments of either hour of, of either hour, certainly feel free to do so. All right, the Astros made a big move yesterday, and. It's been about, if you followed this team for a long time, it's been about seven years and, what, six or seven years, maybe five, somewhere five or six years coming. Because if you remember, when the when the Astros signed Yuli, the, the, the hot and heavy rumor before they acquired Yuli was that they were going to get Jose Abreu. So... Jose Abreu's been hot on the Astros' mind for a long time here. Every once in a while, you just kept hearing those rumors. So there's been some sort of a connection or mutual respect or whatever. I mean, it, it, it the the conversation <coughs> between link, having conversations linking Jose Abreu and the Astros is not a recent thing. It's been going on for a while now. So it is um, – you know, he's a little younger, five years ago, six years ago. He's um, basically, you got Yuli with a little more pop and three years younger. I mean, essentially. Um, you know, I don't know what to think of his year last year. He went from like 30 homers to 15 homers, but he hit 307, so it was like, he just, it was, I mean, again, who knows? Things happen. But he had a lot of injuries around him. Tim Anderson, who was on my fantasy team, was hurt all year. Yon Moncada was hurt all year. He was on my fantasy team. They were in and out of the lineup constantly. Plus, they had a corpse for a manager. And, you know, who knows? You know, uh, they they had a lot of issues <laughs> that team last year. They, they, they did not have a good season at all. But... Seriously underachieved. So, I, you know, we can – it's it's hard to know exactly what went into it. But he hit over 300. So it's like his batting average went up. His power went down. In the games that I saw, which weren't a lot, but the games against the Astros, and I saw him a few other games here and there, a few other at-bats, seemed like he hit the right field a lot, which I love hitting to right field. Yuli, when he's going well, hits the right field a lot. 
Uh, again, he had 40 doubles, and if, and Yuli had a ton of doubles too this year for a guy who didn't have a good season. He was among the league leaders in doubles most of the season. The problem is the Astros wasted most of his doubles this year. It was weird. It was just a weird season in that way. But I think he's a guy who's got more pop than Yuli. Uh, I don't know if he'll hit 30, but he'll. my guess is if he stays reasonably healthy, he hit 20-some home runs. But if he hits 20-something homers and he hits 300 or around 300 and he knows how to drive in runs, uh, what was it, four or five years ago, he drove in 123 runs. And Yuli was terrible at it this year, but every other year, Yuli was among the league leaders, if not the league leader, in driving in runners from third with less than two outs. One thing about him, though, he I don't know that he's going to be as good defensively as Yuli, but he's good defensively. He, he, he's, he knows how to scoop. He, he's, he knows what he's doing at first base. He's a... I'm not going to say he's not necessarily a gold glove first baseman, but I think he's pretty good. I've seen him scoop balls and make it look easy. He's good at it. Um, the one thing about him that I'm not going to like, what do I hate? What do I hate in baseball just about more than anything? So am I excited? Am I glad they got Jose Abreu? Yeah, I am. But he does something that I hate in baseball just about worse than anything the double play I hate ground balls because ground balls turn into double plays and he like leads the league in double plays every year he's oh man I'm not looking forward to the double play the good thing is it's a hammock season so I'm not gonna worry about it that's the good thing so the first year anyway of Jose Abreu if he leads the league in double play, hitting into double plays, it's a hammock season. I can live with that as long as he's driving in, you know, ninety runs or a hundred runs, and I, I can I can live with some double plays. Because some of those double plays, a run's gonna score. If he comes, if you know, he's got like the runners on the corners and no outs, run will may still score. So anyway, and it's a hammock season, so I won't worry about that. Now it is a little troublesome. If you're an Astro fan, three years, like, you know, what's he going to be in that third year? We'll see. But I think next year he'll be fine. Again, the man hit over 300 last year. Of course, Yuli hit over 300 two years ago and had a down year. Uh, I don't don't think he's going to have that. He's been pretty consistent since he came. Now, he, he got to the major leagues late. But since he got to the major leagues, um... He's been pretty consistent. He's never really had a really bad down year like Yuli had last year offensively. But again, now people are talking about bringing Yuli back as a reserve, and I, you know, I love Yuli, but I just, I, I guess I'd have to see the roster configuration in front of me. But how? I mean, not, not too many people have backup first basemen that don't play other positions, like Alimus Diaz could play first base and did play some first base in his time here, but he could play second and short and third and outfield. Like, I guess Yuli could play some third, but you know he's old. Like, I, I don't, I don't. Is there room for a guy who's basically a first baseman and a DH as a backup? I, you know, or do you need your backup to be like a Hensley 
or a Diaz or someone like that who can play just about every position and maybe even play the outfield. Versatility is key there. I, I don't know. I don't know how all that's going to play out because I don't know what the rest of the, their plans are as far as the, 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 you know, the utility type guys. I don't know if Yuli really is a utility guy is what I'm saying. Yeah, he has played third. Uh, he came up as a third baseman. That was his position. He was moved from third to first. But how much third is he going to play? If Bregman's healthy, he plays just about every day. So I, I don't, I, I don't know how the Yuli part will work. Um, but at this point, especially in a hammock season, you you, you just kind of trust. Him. Again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. Now, what do the Astros do next? They need at least one more bat. There's been some Benintendi talk. Are they going to bring back Brantley? I don't know. How is there a way to be sure that Brantley could be Brantley again? I, I don't know that, you know, I, I there's got to be some guessing in that situation. Um, if Brantley can be Brantley, you know, he's an average at best outfielder. El Pero was a better turned out to be a better left fielder than any of us thought, but but I don't know that you want to I don't know that you want El Pero to be your full time left fielder. Um. And so look if they if they think enough of if they think Brantley's got enough left, he's obviously they know him. He's a great influence on this team, and you know the the chemistry and the leadership and all that's tremendous. So if they want to bring Brantley back, um, you know, you just trust him on that. And and you just hope that he can be close to Brantley. The only – I like Benintendi. The only problem with Benintendi is he's not very old, and he's already had, like, two really bad years. Like, he's had some really good ones, too, don't get me wrong. On paper, Benintendi is a younger Michael Brantley in terms of his skill set, but he hasn't been as consistent. Like, he's had two really bad seasons, and he's not that old. So that worries me. But if they sign Benintendi, as long as it's not for too much money, I guess, uh, considering he's been kind of inconsistent in his career, I um, it, it, it could work. I mean, he could play left field. He could DH here and there. Um, it, it's um, it, it's it's pretty good. I I I, I could do Brantley. I could do him. The other name that has come up is Brandon Nemo. Uh, I've always kind of been a Nemo guy, but again, um, we talk about it a lot. He's a you don't sign thirty year old. Once center fielders get in their thirties, you don't sign them. You just don't. Now you might could sign one to be a backup. But you and maybe you could sign one for like one year, but he's not going to sign a one-year contract, I wouldn't think. Uh, but you don't sign, you know, three, four, five-year contracts to center fielders who are in their thirties. It's just a no-no. You just don't do it because they will hit a wall and go down in a hurry. That's what baseball history tells you. Do not. And so, I like his skill set. Uh, but no, if they're going to sign someone like that and they go, I don't want, they're also talking about Cody Bellinger. That guy's a punk. 
I, I don't want any part of Cody Bellinger. But I, I would be fine if they signed a guy like a Cody, Cody Bellinger who, who could platoon with Wren in center field. Wren is McCormick. Um, and, and, and McCormick could hit against lefties, which he's very good at, and then the other guy could hit righties. And theoretically, said, well, you got that in Jake Myers. I don't know. Depends what you think of Jake Myers. I, I don't know how good Jake Myers is. I, I don't want Jake. I mean, if they want to platoon those two, if there's room for all these people, okay. But uh, but no, I, I think if you get a left fielder, I'd be pretty fine. I'd be pretty content with how all of that worked out. All right. we know It's football season, I know, but um, Astros did make a big move last night in, or yesterday, and so uh, we wanted to kind of sort all that out. So we'll take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears to high school football Talk with St. Thomas Moore Offensive Coordinator Shane Savoy next on The Game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about AcadianaDeals.com where you can get a $40 voucher for Bayou Pop Gourmet Popcorn for only $20. Again, that's $40 in voucher, half price for gourmet popcorn with over 40 flavors available. But you can only get that by going to AcadianaDeals.com today. All right, we have with us St. Thomas Moore Offensive Coordinator Shane Sawa. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. Good, good to be on with you this morning. All right. So, you know, we, we talked to, I don't know, you were on three or four weeks ago, and this season is going about as well as anybody could have hoped. I mean, uh, I think there was a lot of uncertainty coming into this season, kind of, you know, the post-Walker Howard era and the defense had some issues last year, and how was that going to be, you know, and uh, how, do you have enough depth to receiver? And all the questions that went into this season, and yet here you are in the semifinals playing the same team you played last year. So kind of uh, interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, a fun situation to be in, and we talked about it last time. You know, I think as internally as a coaching staff and as a team, uh, we looked at the pieces that we had coming back um, and then the leadership that we saw in the offseason. And we really had a, you know, to, to say we predicted we would be in this position may, may be far-fetched, but to say that we had expectations to be a really solid ball club would be fair. Uh, and I think we knew we would have something coming and then it would count on the development uh, of some of the players stepping in, like a, like a Sam Altman being able to step in and some of these guys on our defensive side to be able to step in and, and develop, and, and they have. And that's why we're in the position we're in. And, you know, a unique opportunity to go and get and play the team that took you out of it the year before. You know, we told the kids, it's not life doesn't always give you a second chance. And this is one of those opportunities for us. And, you know, hopefully our kids will be locked in and focused. So is it – um is it, you know, the two teams, I'm sure there are a lot of players that were on, you know, on the two teams, and yet is the matchup very different a year later or is it still fairly similar? I would say it's, I mean, it's fairly similar from a personnel standpoint. I think the X factor is 
you know, with Walker Howard, we saw a lot of different things defensively uh, because people felt that you had to change the structure of your defense just to, to handle Walker. Uh, and also, our, our statistically, we threw it a lot more last year. We relied a whole lot more on our passing game uh, because you had Walker Howard. So uh, I think schematically, we've seen this whole season uh, people play us a little bit different because of the absence of Walker, and it's kind of back to more of a normal, you know, what we would see in a normal year, how people would prepare for us because we were able to run the ball and throw the ball. So they got to play kind of in between. Uh, but as far as personnel, yeah, there's a lot of similar faces and numbers on the screen when you watch it. And, and we talked about this a while back. You get to kind of see, you don't have to guess how your kids are going to go up against their kids because they were up against them last year. And you get to kind of, you have the, the, I guess you have the the hindsight now to be able to look back at that game and and, and coach the kid who's going to play again this week against the exact same kid he went up last year. So it's been, you know, been good to get their attention in that way. When you look back at last year's game, what was the difference between winning and losing? Man, I would say, and I said the same thing that night. You know, the, they were more physical than us, and they were ready to play, and we weren't. You know, and there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that, and and kudos to them. I think they did a great job. Their coaching staff did a great job. Their kids were locked in from from the right from the beginning, uh, and they were ready to play. And you know, I think Walker had four interceptions on the night, one for a touchdown, and you know, it just they were able to physically. You know, you can say all the stuff on the edge affected the game. To me, the physicality in the box that they they played with is what won the game, and they were more physical. Now, y'all obviously are a little better in the trenches. Have proven so far to be better in the trenches. How is that? Do they have a lot back in that that area? Is that matchup the same personnel or, or very different personnel wise? I would I would think on paper we both probably return about the same in the box. Uh, defensively, they return three defensive linemen. Offensively, they return return three offensive linemen. Uh, I think we're the same. So three linemen on each side and. So it's, like I said, it's a lot of the same kids that are going to be matched up against each other. And, and the fun part now is how have they grown in a year? You know, and that's, you know, a testament to your off-season program. It's going to be a testament to our coaching and how well our kids are willing to, to take coaching and use technique. And you get a great test to see that in 365 days, have you really gotten better or are you the same kid that was there last year? From watching them on film – from what you've seen, has their defense been more been better at run stopping, pass stopping, or really has it been about the same? It, it's a it's been about the same. I would say that their defense is really good against the run. It's one of the things that they do, and and they're really good at being run stoppers in the box. And what I mean by that is they're very gap sound in the box. They don't get out of position. They understand how their run fits are um, and how they work which you need to do against their offense. So when they apply that to other running teams, it, you know, it sh- it just shows. And they do a really good job of fitting those seams how they're supposed to. And there really isn't a lot of places to run against them. Um, the success some teams this year have had on them has been passing, but those teams are some of the more elite passing teams in our state and, and have some really good talent out there, wide receivers. So, you know, it, it really is similar to last year in, in that they're, their defensive sound, their defensive structure is really sound. Uh, it's going to force you to have to win some matchups. 
Again, we're speaking with St. Thomas Moore offensive coordinator Shane Savoy. The Cougars will be playing Edie White, the Cardinals. And you can hear that game on Friday, like always, right here on 1037 The Game. So, um, what about their their offensively? Uh, you know, Madison Prep turned out to, I know y'all won handily, but they were pretty good offensively. They, they were better offensively than I thought. And part of that was a sophomore quarterback that hurt y'all defense a little bit with his legs at times and also – with his arms, so what what does it look like? What do they present offensively, especially at quarterback? Yeah, well, I mean, you speak of Madison Prep, and they scored forty plus points against University Lab, who's in the semifinals this week, and and they they have some really good skill players. But man, I I think I would be you and I both didn't expect a sophomore quarterback from Madison Prep to play the way he played last week. 300-plus yards passing, another 70-something rushing. I mean, the kid had an amazing night. And, yeah, that was not the plan for us defensively, but I think we still put him in some positions where he made a couple key mistakes that uh, we were able to take advantage of. E.D. White, um, their offense is designed to to take pressure off the quarterback. Uh, their, their quarterback got injured, I want to say, about four weeks ago, uh, the returning starter. Uh, and they've been playing a new kid. He's a sophomore. Um, but you really, when you watch him on film, they really hadn't missed a beat with him. They, they may have lost some stuff in the passing game that the other kid may have brought, but in the running game, uh, they're still structured the same way. Uh, they base out of a wing tee or a flex bone. They do a good job of a hybrid of both. They got a great fullback, a kid who's a returning starter from last year who was a, a, a big kid and gave us some issues at fullback. So offensively, the style and the scheme that they run very similar to maybe an air force with some wing T stuff kind of thrown into it, uh, forces you defense. So I just spoke about it a second ago. Their defense is really good at assignments and fitting into all the run gaps because of the offense that they practice against. Uh, that's what it's going to force on us. Our defense is going to have to be able to be sound with assignments, knowing which gaps they're responsible for, uh, making sure they can play off the block into the gaps that they need to be into. You know, I know, obviously, your number one priority is St. Thomas More, obviously, but you are also a high school football fan, and so... Love it. I'm the, sure the you would... options that are out there between <laughs> YouTube and VSN and all that, man, I watch more high school football now than ever, and it's, and it's awesome. I'm sure you would love to be able, like, if y'all were playing on different nights, to be able to, like, watch the Turlings Lafayette Christian game. Well, hopefully I'll be playing one of them next week and I'll get to watch <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> in, a, in a scout film. But, yeah, I mean, what a beautiful moment for Acadiana and for our state. I've been saying it all the way through through the playoffs. The games are so intriguing. Uh, there have been so many great matchups. There's been so much excitement based around them. You know, and the fact that people get to flip on their Internet and, and watch a lot of these games has really been awesome for a high school football fan. Uh, yeah, you know. Eventually, I'll, I'm probably going to get to watch that game either way. But, yeah, hopefully I'll be scouting one of those two teams. But exciting. You know, look at our district. Four teams in our district still in the semifinals. Five were in the quarterfinals. All six in the district made the playoffs. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun on the other side of town as well. No question. That was going to be the ne- – you know, we brag about this district and talk about how good it was. But, I mean, it wasn't just talk. I mean, it, it, it's played out on the field. And, you know – Obviously, y'all have um, played at a higher level than I think most people expected. Uh, Westgate, 
you know, had, they lost a lot of players after winning the state championship yeah. last year. And, and early on, they weren't nearly as good as they are now. But it just shows you with the coaching and the program that they built, that they, yeah. with all their young players, they got a lot better. Yeah, I'd say once Westgate's quarterback kind of started figuring it out, and I think Ryan even said it after our game, uh, I think our kid grew up tonight. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that was kind of the difference of them early. I thought the kid last year was one of the best QB decision makers in the state, and I think they rode him all the way to a state title. Uh, and I think as this young one, because he's a sophomore, develops more and more, he's going to be more of a factor for Westgate. Uh, so you got them rolling into it. Then Turling's LCA, I mean, the – the excitement kind of going into that game is, you know, it's going to rank up there in Acadiana as one of those top matchups in the semifinals in, in you know, the area's history. So I, I got to imagine both those teams are excited to, to be in that position and both have developed throughout the season uh, with their two teams as well. Uh, so the district has really, has really performed well for, for the Acadiana area. I mean, just think about it in select division two, both semifinal games in the state of Louisiana are going to be in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, that's a pretty cool testament to have here in, in our area. Absolutely. And then the team that just left your district, they're doing pretty good too. Karen yeah. Crow. Yeah, how about those guys? And, <laughs> and it's not a complete surprise to us because we've had to play them for quite a while, but Karen Crow uh, being able to beat the number one seed after beating Acadiana who beat them during the regular season, I mean, they're just – they're rolling along. I'm so proud of Coach uh, Corville and Coach Peters over there. They're just doing a great job and look forward to those guys getting another win this week. All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much and good luck to you. Well, thank you, man. You know, for everything you do for high school athletics, I know you kind of downplay it all, but I think the people in the Acadiana area are blessed uh, to have somebody that's so invested uh, in our young men and our, and our young athletes here in the Acadiana area, the women as well. Uh, so thank you for everything that you do, and keep it up. God bless. All right. Thank you, sir. Shane Savall, St. Thomas Moore offensive coordinator. Uh, I got a chance to see him play, what, three times this year, and they're pretty good. It's going to be a tough chore to keep STM from winning the state championship. I think we'll see how that plays out. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, about, again, AcadianaDeals.com. We talked about popcorn earlier now, Mudcat Whiskers. Again, you can get a $30 deal for half price. $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today. You can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. So take advantage of that is our suggestion. All right. Uh, Since we were just talking 
to St. Thomas More offensive coordinator Shane Savoy about their state semifinal matchup against Edie White. Again, tomorrow we're going to have Turling's Catholic head football coach Dane Chaponche on to talk about his big matchup or their their program's big matchup, state semifinals against LCA. And again, uh, Shane did a great job of illustrating it. What, what a great um, job for by so many Acadiana area teams. But the 4A teams in this state and – in the case of Karen Crow, the recently exited four schools are just 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 doing a great job, and uh, it, it's it's some powerhouse programs. Uh, revenge is quite a bit like Notre Dame, who we interviewed Coach Cook last week. They're going to St. Charles. St. Charles beat Notre Dame in the semifinals the last two seasons, so they've got. Serious redemption on their mind. Go and play the Comets, who I got a chance to see earlier this year against Turlings in week three. Uh, and so it is, um, you know, that should be an interesting matchup. And then Karen Crow is hosting Brother Martin on Friday and in, in that semifinal. And again, you can hear all that Karen Crow action right here on our family of stations, Z1059. So, again, you got Westgate going to Destrahan. Westgate, I kind of like their matchup with Neville because Westgate is just so fast. And, you know, Derek Williams is back, and he was out about six weeks. And and, um, obviously he's a difference maker at the safety position. And uh, if you can't deal with Westgate speed, you're going to have problems. Now, Destrahan, they normally don't have speed issues there. And Destrahan's been playing really good football for a long time. So, you know, uh, I don't know that I like that, that matchup as much as I like the Neville matchup. But um, but we'll see how, how that plays out. I mean, Neville is a 4A school. Westgate's a 4A school. And Destrahan's a 5A school. So it's a little different. And so we'll see how, how that plays out. Notre Dame and St. Charles are, you know, they're basically the same program, just in different cities. I mean, I, I mean, I know that's a, a little bit of a generalization, but I mean, essentially they're the same program in different cities, and they've played each other in baseball, uh, in the semifinal state championship level twice in recent years. They've played each other the semifinal level in football the last few years. So a lot of familiarity between these two schools and. And the and the pro and it should be it should be a great game. That game is going to be in Laplace. The other uh, and then and then you've got Westgate at Destrehan. And then again you have four games in the Cadiana area. So if you're a high school fan of some school and your school's eliminated, I mean take your pick. I mean for me and Catholics having a fabulous season. They're hosting St. Martin's uh, Episcopal from the New Orleans area. And then you've got that LCA at Turling's matchup that we discussed, St. Thomas More hosting Edie White that we just talked about. And then Karen Crow, as we said, is hosting Brother Martin. So really um, great seven Acadiana area teams in the semifinals. That's a pretty good number. I don't know. I can't think of many years where we've had more than seven in the semifinals. Again, Ever, it, it's you have to go back to 1994 
the last time the Acadiana area did not have at least one team play for a state championship. And I don't think they're going 0-7. Well, it, it, it's a lock because somebody's got to win between LCA and Turling. So that streak will definitely continue um, this season. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, look, I don't know if it was a glorious morning or just an average morning. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I got a few comments I want to make. I've been wanting to call you. I was on vacation last week. This okay. is Craig from Iberia, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, how about your boy, your favorite Astro of all time, Phil Nevin, being the general manager of the fighting MVPs? That's my first comment. I'll let you chime in when I'm done. My second comment is uh, on the weekends, uh, these gamblers get together. V-CIN, uh, y'all, y'all do... Uh, you know, little advertisements about it. Right. And they were mentioning uh, there's three landing spots possible. It will be the Saints, the Colts, and the Commanders for Baker Mayfield. How about that? People have been trying to get me. but please, Look, it's been a rough couple <laughs> seasons. It's been a rough couple seasons. Please tell me that that isn't even going to be discussed. I mean, would that be the worst like he needs to go to the Colts. Let let them just continue. I mean, no. look, I'm struggling. I'm trying to keep my head above water. Let's please hope that don't happen. <laughs> well, please. I just I just thought you would find it uh, real funny that uh, what are the odds of your favorite Astro draft pick of all time, Phil Nevin, being the manager of the Fighting MVPs? Well, that absolutely. Now, look, Phil Nevin is not all there. He's never been all there. So <laughs> I, I want. The little MVPs to, to, to keep promoting and, and putting as much weight on Phil Nevin's uh, shoulders as possible because that's good for the Astros. So I, I'm all for that. That's a good plan. And, look, my final comment, I'm a diehard Steeler fan. You know that. I pull for the Saints as well. And uh, me and my brother have been Steeler fanatics our whole lives. But the one time that they could have forced Mike Tomlin to go maybe 4-13 and 13 and finally get a top-five pick – I mean, even the Saints ruined that for me. I mean, come on now. You know, the Saints couldn't even do us a solid. Well, the NFL didn't get – it was an unfair game. Shouldn't The game oh, shouldn't I, have been scheduled that way, and it was, it, it was awful. Um, but, but, look, the Steelers have played pretty well since that game. I know, Foot, but that's the problem. We're going to go 7-10. and 10. They're going to keep Matt Canada saying, well, you know, he only had one year with Kenny Pickett. Let's go ahead and give our, uh, you know, promoted from within coach another shot. I understand. I understand. I understand. <laughs> well, that's all I had for you, Foot. I, I just, appreciate I figured, it. I uh, figured you would get a kick out of Baker Mayfield was one of the uh, landing spots. You know, the Saints are one of the landing spots for Baker Mayfield. I, I can't even, <laughs> my mind can't even go there. So, please, pray. <laughs> please. Clown show. <laughs> oh, man. I Appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. Have a good Can you imagine? I mean, look, with all these injuries the last three years, it's been rough. And I'm just like, can you imagine if that would happen early on in the offseason? I mean, I would just be depressed for months. I mean, that would just be awful. I mean, to just have the ultimate punk as your quarterback like I I just can't believe anybody like somebody might sign him but he's got to be the backup you can't sign that guy as your starting quarterback 
He has zero leadership skills, zero. And he's not good. I mean, he's just, again, he's not good. He was a third or fourth round talent that was picked number one overall. And it's unbelievable all the grief I took for just stating the obvious. And since then, it's become very obvious. He's not very talented. And, no, please, I, I just, that just cannot. That would be the, you want to talk about insult to injury. That would be the worst. Again, Aaron Rodgers, because people have talked about that. I haven't liked Aaron Rodgers for a long time. He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen at any level, Aaron Rodgers. And I've said that for years. And people looked at me like I was crazy. And I think a lot of people now are starting to see his true color. Just like I told y'all that the, that uh, they, they, they talked about the cheaters and how great Eddie DeBartolo was for years. And they did all these specials about all how lavish the plane flights were and all that. I said, the man is a criminal. And what did he do? He went to prison. That's where you put criminals in prison. And that's where he was because, like, like I told y'all, the man was a criminal. He's playing all these players with dirty money. They've been they cheated for years. They cheated every on off the field, on off the field, on the field. Played his players with dirty money. The man was a criminal, and he went to prison. And and I told y'all about Aaron, but at least Aaron Rodgers has talent. Like, real talent. Baker Mayfield's a punk. He's a terrible leader, and he has no talent. Unbelievable. That would just be, oh, yeah. But, like we talked about last week, like, what are they going to do? I mean, just, I mean, please tell me, one, that they're not, it hit me last week, we talked about it quite a bit, that they're not really planning on Andy Dalton being my starting quarterback next year. And then, two, please tell me it's not going to, they're not thinking Baker Mayfield's an option. I mean, as much as I don't like Andy Dalton, and again, nothing personally, I don't know anything about him. I just don't want him to be my quarterback. Um, As much as I don't want Andy Dalton to be my quarterback, I would certainly take Andy Dalton over Baker Mayfield. Would you think about this? I'm like Billy Blazowski. These ideas keep coming at me. I just can't fight them off sometimes. Um, Would you take Baker Mayfield or Zach Wilson? (sighs) Would you take Andy Dalton? As the starter next year or Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson, can you imagine? They, they, they drafted that guy number two overall. And y'all want me to, to, to play this pick a rookie quarterback game. Oh, I want no part. I don't I don't ever want a rookie quarterback. Ever. But I mean, I don't want Zach Wilson for sure. I'd take Trubisky over Zach Wilson. But Baker Mayfield, that is just, that, that would just be the worst. I mean, that would be the worst. Is there, 
again, that would be like getting when the Saints got Heath Shuler. But at least at the time, you thought maybe Heath Shuler could do something, even though he was just horrific. But I don't, but Heath Shuler was just a zero. He wasn't like a punk, he was just a zero. He just had no talent. Like Baker Mayfield has very little talent and he's a punk. I mean, oh man. So Craig, that was a funny call, but it's got my minds off. It's got it's got me all discombobulated here. Like I I, I didn't even want to go down that road today. Baker Mayfield, Andy Dalton. And meanwhile, you've basically had Jameis Winston on your team for three years, and he, he still has not gotten a chance. He still has not played in one real football game that you can evaluate him in. Not one in three years. In three years, he's not played one game that you can really evaluate him in in three years, and he's never going to get a chance. We're never going to know. Think about how incredible that is. We're never going to know. Good, bad, or indifferent, we're never going to know. He hasn't played in a real evaluatable game, not one yet. Not one. And he's just, they're going to get rid of him. And I don't know what he's going to do or where he's going to go. Or I mean, it's not going to matter. But we got no quarterback option. You got this guy in here. For three years, he hasn't played one evaluatable game, and now you're never going to know. Like, has that ever happened? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. (sighs) Andy Dawn better play well Monday. That's all I got to say. And that cat better not take a snap in the red zone. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Stay tuned. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about our Christmas comes early sweepstakes. They want... The game wants you to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. The Christmas Come Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. All you have to do is be a member of the Game Rewards Club, and that makes you eligible for the $500 Visa gift card. It's just that easy. The Christmas Come Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station all right as we finish up the first hour again we'll be talking with cody juno about 10 15 kind of look at the cajuns victory over texas state on saturday the future of the program 
uh, is going into next season, but also they got one more game left, and it's a bowl game, and get Cody's guess of where it might be and talk about some of the options there. And um, So looking forward to, to talking to Cody, seeing, I guess, what he thinks of Jose Abreu and Man, you know, when you get up in the morning, you never really know what's how the, the the show. You have a plan for the show, but you know, I've always liked to to have callers and have their input. And sometimes ca- certain calls kind of get you on tangents that you never knew was going to happen, and that's part of the fun of it. But man, Baker Mayfield, you know. But you know, there's some perspective there, like. Things have been really rough. It's been a rough season. It was a rough season last year with all the injuries. It's been a rough season this year with all the injuries. And, um, but just when you think things can't get much worse, just think. You can always just say, Baker Mayfield could be my quarterback. It would be worse. If Baker Mayfield was your quarterback, it would be worse than it is right now. And so that actually... When you're a glass half full person like me, you can take a comment or a subject like that that was meant to be a little, um, you know, funny slash, oh, no, the world is ending somewhere in between those two. Um, And I can turn it around into a very positive thing. That's what glass half full people like me do. And so it's like – as bad as things are right now, as frustrating as the last couple years have been, as we can't get a break as the last three or four years have been, if we could just get a break now and then, uh, the last three or four years has been for the Saints. Um, at least Baker Mayfield is not your quarterback. So we can we can count our blessings in that way right now. Now. If that changes in this next offseason, then I'll I'll just wait till then to be depressed. So for right now, we'll just be thankful that at least Baker Mayfield is not your quarterback. Oh, man, please, no. All right, that does it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. Phone lines. The game hotline is open in this segment. All right. Would, would do you want Michael? If you're an Astro fan, do you uh, do you like the Jose Abreu signing? How dangerous is it in the future? Do you want Michael Brantley? Do you want Nimmo in center? Some of the rumors that are out there. Uh, do you want Ben and how, how would you finish out this offseason? If you're a Saints fan, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of Andy Dalton, but again, our friend Craig, the Steeler fan from New Iberia, brought up 
Baker Mayfield, and I brought up Zach Wilson. Man, so just just when you think you got it bad, it's good to have the perspective. It could get worse. Like Baker Mayfield could be your quarterback. Oh, or Zach Wilson. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you, my friend? Oh, you know, it's it's been a rough couple weeks, but uh, I'm trying to get through it. So, Kevin, we got Andy Dalton, and now they're talking about Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson. I've even heard Matt Ryan. And you got a guy on the roster who's really not a quarterback, but he's better than all of those guys. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how we are with our quarterback situation. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it. That's Pabon. Oh, no, it, it's muy mucho Pabon for sure. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking, and they may not even know because sometimes you, until the offseason really starts, you don't really know who's interested or what your options are. But uh, I don't really like it. You know what? Really, if if those are the options, I'd rather just play Batman at quarterback. Absolutely. If those are your options, play Batman at quarterback. They keep telling me he's not a quarterback, but He's better than all the guys we just mentioned. Yes. Yes. He's, he's a better option. Put it this way. He's, he's, he's harder to, to defend. To he's harder to defend than all those quarterbacks. Yeah, he gives you a better chance to win. Yes. So, Kevin, as you know, I defeated you in fantasy last week. Yes. And then last night, I'm playing the guru this week, right? Uh-huh. So at, at halftime, I go to bed, and, is, and, and the guru's up by two points, 93 to 91. Okay. And I got Najee Harris and the tight end for the Steelers, and he doesn't he didn't have anybody playing in the game. So I just know that I'm going to beat you and the guru on consecutive weeks. Uh-huh. I go to – I wake up this morning – Unbelievable. You didn't score a point? Then Harris, Najee Harris didn't play in the second half. He, he, he got hurt in the first half. And the tight end didn't pass. So. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. But it's kind so, of been that way this year. That would have been the Super Bowl for me. <laughs> Yes. And I, I just knew I had it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So while I got you on, what, what do you think the Yankees are going to do this offseason? What do you want them to do? Well, it all depends on, on, on if, if we sign Judge or not. You know? Uh, I mean, that's the key. Can't do anything to so, find out what's going to happen. Do you feel do you feel more confident they're going to sign him or less confident than you did when the season ended? I feel as confident. I, I think I think the, I think he's going to end up signing with the Yankees. 
But it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, if that makes if that makes any sense. So if he doesn't sign with the Yankees, um, I, I really like Ben Intendi uh, to be my left fielder. But uh, the rookie, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the kid that played, you know, came up in August and played all over the field. And he's, you know, he's also an option in left field because they're talking about bringing Volpe up, who's supposed to be, you know, the best stop in the, in, in the organization. So that's the options, I guess. And then I'm pretty sure they're going to trade Gleyber Torres. So, you know, that kid can also play second. What's his name? Um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the guy who played shortstop and then played left field towards the end of the year. Oswaldo Peralta, I believe is yeah. his name. He played right field. He played uh, He played a little bit of second base, played some shortstop, and played left field. But he can play second if they do bring Volpe up and, and, and we saw him Ben Attendi. I think that's that's what I would like to see happen. If we don't sign Judge. All right. Well, it sounds like within a week we may know. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, they're saying that he's going to make a decision during the uh, during the winter meeting. So, anyway, I just wanted to call you and tell you I almost won the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's funny. All right. <laughs> <It is> funny. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Thank you, Bobby. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. I'll see you tonight, right? Uh, yeah, or maybe in, a, in an hour or so. Oh, I just I just pulled up. I uh, didn't know if you were coming to yes, the girls' game. Uh, yes, absolutely. We'll see you shortly. All right, buddy. Uh, Mr. Bobby Nova, he is talking about the Cajun women will play in, at a, in about an hour. They're going to be starting in about an hour in that thing they call the education game. Um, you know, the women struggled. In the preseason women's NIT, got beat by Texas Tech and got beat by Colorado and got beat by Jackson State. And uh, Jackson State, by the way, is really good at women's basketball, so that's not like a bad loss, maybe like it might sound, but still they didn't play well. And not shooting the ball at all. I mean, like they're not shooting the ball at all. And, uh, and yet, they had a, two nice wins. They beat North Texas on Friday. They beat Abilene Christian on Sunday. And now they got a chance to kind of they, – they need to build some confidence. You know, they're hosting LSU Shreveport today at 11. And then they're playing um, – I think it's Louisiana Christian uh, on Saturday. So, they've, it's two games that they should win and handily. And yet, within the – you know, they could win those two games and still not make progress if they don't start, you know, developing some scores. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, today. And then tonight, the Cajun men are hosting Loyola of New Orleans. Um, though many of you may know or not know that Loyola of New Orleans won the NAIA National Championship last year. Their coach left and took a job as like an associate athletic director or some some position like that inside a, in the Ole Miss athletic department. And they've lost a couple of players, but they've got several of their starters back. And they're technically 7-1, and one, 
But again, with NAI, it's one of these weird things. They play these quote-unquote exhibition games. Like tonight, tonight's game at the Cajun Dome is an exhibition game for them. Doesn't count. Like, I don't know how many exhibition – I don't know what the rules are because they've already played an exhibition game against Southern Miss and Southeastern. And then they're playing another one tonight. I don't know how many you get. I don't know the rules about NAIA scheduling. But anyway, it counts for the Cajuns, sort of. But it doesn't – it technically is. It doesn't go in their record. It's an exhibition game for, for Loyola. And, and none of that matters. It's just – again, all that matters is a weekend in March. We understand that. But – um it's still another opportunity to for for one for K. So many both of these teams have been on the road for so much of the season. It's a chance to get it for local fans, Cajun fans, to get a chance to see the men and women play in the Cajun Dome today. And then the the men will play on the road again, but not quite as far as Des Moines, Iowa, or Dallas when they play at UNO on Saturday. So again, um, the football team doesn't play for depending on what bowl they're in, three weeks or so. And so we'll be – got a chance to delve in a little bit more into these two basketball teams, and, and we'll get to see them play a little more at home, and we'll get to see, you know, how things get worked out. The women are very – I mean, both of them are a work in progress. The women are really a work in progress. Got a lot of new faces, got some injuries, and so we'll see how that – trying to figure out roles and – who can be the complimentary scorers. And, uh, so they've done some good things. They're keeping their head above water with these two recent wins, and we'll see if they can make enough progress by the time Sunbelt starts to, you know, they were picked third in, to finish third in the in the women's side, and we'll see what they do. So we'll uh, – but, no, that's funny. Bobby went, uh, went to bed thinking, man, I'm only down two. I can win. Fantasy can be cruel. It can be great. I, it, it could be cruel. I mean, I saw, you know, you can win on, like, the last play of the game or lose on the last play of the game. Like, some guy taking a knee or, you know, you, you, you hand it off to a running back and it's mop-up time and, and the running back gets stuffed for minus two or minus three. That could lose the game for you. So, fantasy's just crazy. It, it, it can be very, very... Fantasy football can be like the Saints game in Cheaterville on Sunday, where it's just like no, no ball bounces your way, no calls go your way, really. And, and you just, no matter what, no matter, every time you take a step forward, like it feels like, it, you know, you're hitting a wall and going two steps back. It can be very, very, very frustrating. So, fortunately, the ball is bouncing my way for a change. We'll see if it does that all the way to the end, but. We'll wait and see on that. Who knows how that's going to take place. It's a fickle, fickle thing. No question. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, get, uh, shift gears to Cajun football. Talk to Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno next on the game. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. 
seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating, or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, Hannah says... Cody and I just disagree. But anyway, um, welcome back to Footnotes. Before we get to our friend Cody, want to remind you about to go to AcadianaDeals.com where you could get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15. Again, that's a $30 deal for half the price. Visit AcadianaDeals.com. You can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. Now, Cody has had a beard for a long time, so he probably could utilize Mudcat Whiskers. Right? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right. So, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, you know, we're sitting here on a, on a Tuesday with, uh, you know, trying to figure out where the cages are going to be uh playing a bowl game and you know i think just the fact the cajuns have an opportunity playing a bowl game is a a big big step for the program under year one and uh you know just really excited about the uh the future here all right so since you went there let's go ahead and start that i mean i've been surprised before with bowls like when they went and played in dallas that was a little bit of a curveball that year i i didn't hear a lot of people saying uh, you know, that, that game when they went play UTSA in Dallas. So it's not like we've not had it, uh, somewhat of a curveball before, but, I mean, you're hearing things like Gasparilla and all these. Well, I mean, what, what, what do you really buy? What do you think is realistic? Yeah, I mean, I think the big question is is Army at this point. Um, can they beat Navy, and then can they get a waiver from the NCAA, which would we require because they have two uh, FCS wins? You know, a win next Saturday, right? And that's the other part of this next. Right? Saturday How can they wait for him? I I don't understand that. Right? I I I agree with you, but that's what you have. Um, yeah, because to your point, right? It's going to affect more than just one bowl game, right? Because the Independence Bowl is going to need somebody, and then wherever else that, that additional, you know, let's say it's the Cajuns and Army, and Army gets the waiver and they go well. The Cajuns are going to wait, and there's going to be some other bowl matchup that's waiting as well, right? Uh, so we'll have to see how all of that plays out. Um, you know, the reality is there are five Sun Belt Bowl tie-ins. You have the Independence Bowl, which is a second, and then there's a seventh game that ESPN controls that they can send, um, you know, anybody anywhere. So a whole lot of uh, wait and see, and, and hopefully they'll get an answer by Sunday. The problem is... You have New Mexico State's got to make up a game. Uh, have you heard? Have they gotten an opponent yet? Because, you know, I heard uh, yes. Valparaiso. So, Is that correct? 
that is, yes. Yeah, so they, they have a game scheduled with Valpo. They, too, have a waiver into the NCAA um, that would allow them, with a victory against Valpo, to get into a bowl game. They're, of course, having to make up a game that they had scheduled with San Jose State earlier in the year, and that game was canceled after a student-athlete at San Jose State passed away during the week. So they put that game away, and, um, you know, so New Mexico State and Valpo were scheduled to play on Saturday. And yesterday, the Aggies asked for a waiver from the NCAA. And Buffalo has got a makeup game. Yeah, that game's Friday, right? So Buffalo and Akron, uh, all the snow that hit Buffalo, I guess, two weeks ago that forced the Bills to go over and play in Detroit. They're going to make that game up uh, Friday at, I believe, uh, 1 or 2 Eastern. So so more than likely, there's, there's going to be what? If, if New Mexico State wins and Buffalo wins, you're going to have 80... 80 or 81 teams that actually have six wins. We're actually going to finish one short, right? Depending one on what army. Correct. That is correct. Yep. All right. So, what do you think? If you if it was totally up to Cody Juno, where would the Cages be going? And if and then if it was totally up to Cody Juno to guess where they were going to be going, what would your guess be? Oh man, that's a good question. So I guess if it's up to me, um, I I'm of the the thought of get the game played on a Friday or a Saturday. So for that, um, I'm just screaming Orlando. Do I have any idea if that actually happens? I, I, I don't. I don't think it does. Uh, but I would like the Cure Bowl also because it would be a fun trip for me. So there's that. When and is I know that you game? Love Orlando. When, I mean, when is that, that game? Better. You would love it. When is that game? That game is on uh, – the Cure Bowl is actually Friday the 16th. You've got the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile is on the 17th. Uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl is on Monday the 19th. The New Orleans Bowl is on Wednesday the 21st. And then you have the uh, Camellia Bowl – or Camellia Bowl, excuse me, uh, on December the 27th, which is a Tuesday. Oh, you don't want that. Anyway, <clears throat> so as it turned out, my little kind of cautious – Maybe overly cautious fears about Texas State did not come to realization. And basically, it just went back to point number one, the Cajuns own Texas State in football. <laughs> yes. Now, to be fair, the Bobcats didn't completely fold and lay down. Uh, but ultimately, the Cajuns left them no choice in that second half, and they eventually did tap out. Um it was fun. Uh, you know, that was a face-crushing that, that I think we had become really accustomed to um, you know, as, as one friend put it to me, do you need to have a slot busted? Just put Texas State on the schedule. Um, it, you know, so, but, man, that, what, wasn't that fun Saturday watching that, watching them run the ball, throw the ball, you know, play defense? Poor Eric Roar has not one but two touchdowns taken away from him. Yes. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was a fun night Saturday in San Marcos. Um, the thing I liked, I think, there were a few plays, that called decisions that Coach Dez made that I probably wouldn't have made, but he was aggressive from the beginning and ended up paying, obviously, huge dividends. And I, I thought that he did a great job with the passes that he did call to get Chandler some sort of rhythm fairly early in the game, and I, I thought that was really good coaching there. Yeah, and I mean, look, and, and also here's what happened, right? And you know, I know the final score might indicate otherwise, but Texas State defense was actually pretty good for most of the season, right? 
And, and what the Cajuns were able to do for the most part was stay on schedule. And when we've seen the Cajuns stay on schedule really throughout the course of the year, they've had a lot more success. And, yes, that's, that's common sense. But it's clearly been, been a challenge for that offense to stay on schedule. And so I think the combinations of, yes, the easy throws, the easy completions, but guys making plays, right, consistency for four quarters, um, you know, really helped carry the Cajuns. At the very end, it, it was kind of ironic because so much of the conversations that were being had were about plays that were made when the game was over in mop-up time, which normally you try to just you just kind of ignore all of that. But because of who was doing it, it, it created a stir. You know, they keep talking about Lance Lejeune. Not that he's going to be good. We think he can be good. They're talking, Coach Dez and others are talking like he could be one of the best to ever play here. And, and, and when, you, when, when you hear statements like that, I mean, what, what goes through your mind? Like, do you, is it, Normally, coaches don't put themselves out like that and make those kind of statements, but they're saying those things. Well, I mean, if you look at, A, you look at Lance and the size that he brings, right, the height, but just the strength. I mean, yeah, uh, the athletic ability, and, and he's a guy that has to have the football in his hands. And, and it was evident, you know, we saw in that, that touchdown in the fourth quarter what he can do where he just, I mean, he took basically a little slant pass and just split the defenders, right, and, and, and took it to the house. Um, so he's a guy, you know, he had the big run at Marshall that sealed the game. He's a guy that when you're able to get the football in his hands, way more often than not, a lot of good things are going to happen. And, you know, the other part of the two is Cajuns are going to be losing, right, uh, Michael Jefferson. They're going to be losing some of that receiving playmaking ability, so it's going to be a great opportunity for him to get playing time in the future. And then, you know, the other exciting part of that was uh, Zion Chris, right? And just, I mean, you saw him execute and have complete command. Again, one series, end of the game, Texas State laying down, just trying to get it over with, maybe. But look, they're scholarship players too, right? And it seemed like everything was just easy. Nothing was stressed. You know, the throws he made, in fact, the only incompletion, LeJean actually fell down on, on, on the play. And so, um, and, and the other part of it too, right, and why I think there's so much excitement is something that Cajun fans have been wanting to see, right? Been wanting to see what, um, you know, what, what Chris would look like back there behind center and, and finally got the opportunity. And, you know, for one series, it was really, really fun. So, I was kind of thinking going way back to like week three or four, man, if they could get to six, if they could get to seven wins, maybe Zion could have played a little bit more. But, you know, every game was so important. They never were really able to do that other than that Arkansas State game a little bit at the end. And then now you're playing in a bowl game wherever that's going to be. And, the, and that's going to be for a winning season. And so I don't know how much you better play there. But, like, I mean, I think most people are thinking maybe there's going to be some sort of transfer here. Who knows what's going to happen? You're going to have Chandler Fields and you're going to have Ben Wooldridge, theoretically, if, if, if they both stay. I don't know that they're going to. And then you have Zeon, like, uh, I mean, what, how do you kind of foresee that going into next year? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the million-dollar question, right? And, and what's the spring look like? Do we go back into an open competition if, you know, one of those two guys that you just mentioned – uh, opts to transfer is it is it the other guy's job is it an open cup like I think that I think that's some of the questions um, you know like coach Des and the offensive staff and, and really the team are going to have to figure out um, but there's no doubt that I think 
you know, the future is very bright for Zion Chris at, at Louisiana, and I think he's going to be given every opportunity to, um, you know, to be, be the Cajun starter in the very near future. Do you feel like, because of the way the year transpired, that you you have complete you're pretty comfortable with who Chandler Fields is or can be and who Ben Woolridge is or can, slash can be if they become the if they're quarterbacks of the future or did we not really get to that point? No, no, I, I think we clearly have right, and and it the way it played out, I don't know that anybody would have drawn that. Not many people, if anybody, would have drawn it up right for for it to happen the way it did through the first you know quarter of the season. You're rotating. And you got one guy get hurt, and then you know the other guy takes over, and then he gets hurt. And now you see the other guy come to play. But the way it has worked is we've seen now each of them play what at least two full games by themselves, um, and 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 I think one more maybe for Ben. And, and so we've got an opportunity to see what the Cajun offense looks like, right? And and I guess kind of to be fair, Chandler's first full game was against Florida State, um, and he looked very different in that game than he did. On Saturday, but no, I think we have a clear understanding of of who each of those guys guys are when they're back there, um, and yeah, I do think it brings some clarity to the situation moving forward. Well, uh, I I think I, I don't, and I would be surprised if Dez starts next year with two quarterbacks. I I would concur. I I I can't see really any scenario in which. The quarterback situation and the way it played out this year um, seems like an ideal blueprint to follow. So that that that's going to be very interesting. But before that, one, we got to see what Buffalo's going to do and New Mexico State's going to do and what bowl game the Cajuns are going to go to and, you know, whichever one it is. Really, to me, you just want the best matchup football-wise. I know as fans and media members, we kind of worry about ourselves, and, and that's, you know, human nature. But – um. You know, this is – don't you feel like – and we'll, we'll have three weeks to talk about this, but don't you feel like this is more – this is a little bit more than just a, a straight exhibition game because if they win this game and have a winning season, the public perception is going to be very different, I think, than if they lose this game and have a losing season about Coach Dez's first year. I think you are 100% correct, right? The, the momentum of a win and, and I think what it can do, given where the expectations were coming into the season. And, look, I think it took us a little while to, to realize actually what was here, what wasn't here, how those things impacted the product that we saw on, on the field and, and to finally come around. And the reality is the Cajuns are playing their best football at this point in the season, Right. And that's really been the encouraging thing is they've gotten better week by week by week. Now, are there talent deficiencies at certain positions that they've got to get figured out, whether it's, you know, recruits through the portal? Absolutely, I believe so. You're going to lose a ton of talent, uh, you know, specifically on the defensive side of the football. But, look, the, what this team has accomplished, uh, and Des and I talked about it post-game on Saturday, there were plenty, right, and, and plenty of opportunities for this team to pray fall apart, wave the white flag, and just move on. Uh, and, and that didn't happen. And I think that in and of itself is a very exciting thing for Cajun fans. And, then, oh, by the way, they started to win some ball games in the second half of the season. I think uh, there is a lot of excitement, uh, you know, to be had moving forward uh, into the offseason and then ahead of the 23 season. 
All righty, sir. Were you good with Jose Abreu? I'm going to be sad to see Yuli. Uh, and, and, you know, here's the question I have for you. Can the man scoop? Like, the, man, scoop? the man can scoop. Can, can he scoop? Not He scoops not as good as Yuli, but better than most. So he okay. passes that grade, yes. So, yeah, I mean, sad to see Yuli go. But, again, we, you know, I mean, what is he, 38 years old, whatever it is? I right? think he's Yuli's 36. I think he's two, two and a half years, almost three years younger than, than Yuli. That's, uh, I got you. Well, my question is, what's, uh... What's JV doing? Is he just toying with our emotions? Is he coming back? Like, what's going on here? He, I just hope he doesn't go to the to the punks. But no, I, I'm starting to get the feeling he's not coming back. But we'll see. I mean, they. I agree with you. Some of these rumors can mislead you, so we'll see. Let's. I, I'm trying not to put too much stock in these rumors. I just, I'm with you. I think he would have signed if he was coming back. Yes, I know. So, all right, more baseball talking in the future. Yes, thank you very much, sir. Have a nice day. All right, my friend. You got it. We'll talk to you soon. Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter, going to be a very interesting offseason to see what goes on with the Cajuns quarterback situation, no doubt. We'll be back on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote, want to remind you the World Cup is back and you can watch all the thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette, free over the air, KLWB Channel 50.3 or Cox Channel 19 for our Lake Charles listeners. The World Cup can be viewed on Telemundo Lake Charles, free over the air at Channel 19.2 or Suddenly Channel 137. All the thrilling World Cup action. You can catch it on Delta Media. All right. Again, the game hotline is open again. 706-0111. I um before I have a few comments from our conversation with Cody about Cajun football. I don't know if you've heard yet, but Chauncey Garner Johnson I saw. Apparently he suffered a, a lacerated kidney and they that word that I hate, indefinite. He's out indefinitely, which technically could mean two minutes or it could mean two years. So um, that means no one knows and we don't want to tell you is what indefinitely means. But um, but it sounds like that's, that doesn't sound good. Uh, you know, I kind of got the feeling that that's really what that's day one Marshawn Lattimore had. They called it abdomen, but you, then you started hearing like it was like I don't know if it was his. I think it was his kidney like was affected. So not good for the Eagles. Certainly not good for Chauncey Garner Johnson. But just that that I saw that injury update this morning. It, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But that doesn't sound like just a week or two thing to me. But you know, again. As they say, we're not doctors. We'll wait and see how that plays out. As far as the Cajuns, I um, uh, I don't know that I've ever typed Gasparilla in my life, so I don't know about the Gasparilla Bowl. 
Uh, I don't think the Cure Bowl is going to happen, but I don't know that I want it to happen either. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, in a perfect world, I want I would like to have one on like the seventeenth, but two o'clock, not eight fifteen. Since as Cody, you know, we we we're we're kind of what suits us best. So we'll just again, I, I'm not going to guess. We'll just kind of wait and see and. I know that there was an Independence Bowl official three games ago, and there was an Independence Bowl official in Texas State. So two of the Cajuns' last three games, an Independence Bowl official was there. That doesn't mean they're going to the Independence Bowl, but it makes you it kind of makes you think maybe you know they're serious about that as a possibility. So we'll we'll see how all that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, there, buddy. Good morning, sir. You know, I. I... I, I talked to Jay about uh, that same thing about the Independence Bowl. He talked to them, uh, you know, the representatives. It's, it's a fact that it's the Independence wants the Cajuns, but we got to understand ESPN owns that bowl, and they make this. They, they pretty much make this decision from the game. No, I, I get so, that. You're right. So you know, we just got to see what ESPN wants. You know, but Kevin, going back to uh, the, that that Lejean guy. You know. Uh, I remember watching him back way back on Netflix series QB One. He was uh, he was on one of those uh, the series, you know, when he played at Warren Easton. Right. You know, boy, if Bears and them really want to get a creative, come for that bowl for bowl game. Put a put a uh, several plays with him at, at the, uh, the wild at a wild pack. My God, I mean, he is such a devastating runner, and he still can throw. I mean, he's Jason Hill two pointer two point I uh, that's one thing that I just have not got. Again, I started questioning Coach Dez about that back at Sunbelt Conference Media Days in July, and he he was open to it. And they did it like was it at Marshall maybe like one play or two plays, and they did it like once one other, but they never really utilize it. Now at the beginning of the year, you know they they had the two quarterback thing going on, so it was probably too convoluted to do all of that. And then you had different quarterbacks hurt, and then they were losing games that they were hoping not to. I mean, I, maybe he just never felt like it was a time to do it, but. Uh, and then the other problem was that, you know, he was having to learn a new position at wide receiver, so they didn't want to throw too much at him. But it sure seemed like there's some untapped potential there. I'm with you. Oh, big time. You know, look, Kevin, I'm not saying he is as big as, as a quarterback. I'm uh, to say who he reminds me of. But, man, don't it look like a mini Cam Newton out there? <laughs> I mean, he is huge and he's fast. No, I get I it. Mean, I get it. No, yes. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, I think the future is going to be bright for the uh, for the football team. I just think they're going to uh, only going to get there. I mean, you know, Dez is going to not take get the players he wants because he recruited most of them anyway. But we're going to see a different style of uh, a Cajun team than we did with uh, with Napier. It's only because we got a different coach. But I think I think Dez uh, is going to be successful years to come. What do you think? No, I think I think. We underrate. We're very result oriented as, as an American sports public, and so, you know, if you lose, you're terrible. If you win, you're great. But, but, but I think the thing that I've been encouraged with is it seems like the team had the same mental approach for every game, and that's tough to do through disappointment. And they've showed steady progress through the year. The only thing that I I'm a little concerned, like Cody made the comment, they're playing their best football. Man, they gave up over 200 yards rushing. I still can't believe all the rushing yards they gave up on, on Saturday. I, I can't totally explain that. But other than that, I agree. They've kind of made steady progress in, in just about every area. 
just seems like all the teams you pull for can't stop the run, Kevin. Well, out of the blue, the Saints look like a football <laughs> team against Sunday. Can you explain to me how that happened? No, I can't. But, but I tell you what, though, you know, San Francisco is a very quirky team. Sometimes they'll look real good, but, you know, that game the Saints played against the 49ers, that, that game was very much similar to the same game that the Rams played the, uh, the 49ers uh, last season, all three games. It was that type of game where the whole offense could do nothing, and that's what they was, son. It was, it was pretty much the same kind of way that the Rams and the 49ers played. But, you know, it is what it is with the 49ers, guys. You, ne- you never know what you're going to get with them. But if you get something good, you know, they're, they're, they're good side of that, that team, they're good. But, boy, you get the bad side of that team, they can get you very easy. All righty, sir. Thank you for calling. You take care. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. I think our expectations are a little bit too high, Kevin. Uh, well, fill in the gaps for me here. Well, there's really no gaps. Uh, that's why. Our I, I, I expectations are just too high. That's all it is. It, 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 things are just bad right now, Kevin. We got to come to the grips that we're just a bad team right now. You know? We, we, I just... We might win. We might get out of here with like seven wins, something like that, you know. But look, I was a little, I was a little concerned at how bad the Saints were looking. But after Sunday's game, and again, they might lose every game the rest of the way. We don't know. You're right. I mean, they're not a great football. They're not a polished football team. Not even close to it. And but if they get healthy, and if all these other teams keep losing, I saw a team Sunday for the first time in a in over a month that I think could win a playoff game if they can get healthy. Yeah, yeah, with the defense. because uh, I saw a team that could game. win a, for the first time in a while that could win a playoff game if they get healthy. But, again, that's a lot of ifs. That game Monday could go a long way to that, though. You know that, right? If they win, if they can beat their three-division opponents and those teams just keep losing like they've been doing all year, I, I saw it, and, and they can get healthy. Again, that's a lot of ands. It's a lot of ifs. For the first time, I saw a team that, if they get in, could win a game. If they look like a real NFL team on Sunday, but but think about that but, though. Think about that if if, if if like we get in at seven and ten and and, and host a and host a playoff game, being a division winner. Think think about. I'm that. not worried about that. I'm not worried about because the reason why I'm not worried about I've I've won 12 games before and and traveled. I've won 13 games before and not been the number one seed. So I don't. You think I'm gonna feel bad about that? Not even. Th- don't even think about. No, 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 no. I didn't say you gonna feel bad. I'm just saying think about. But how, it means nothing. Oh, that can play out. We can be seven and ten or something like that. Win the division and host a playoff game and win a playoff game. All that the season, the team been through this year. Think about that though. Yeah, Seven it, and ten. It would be. It would one, be justice. Win one. You know. It would be man. justice after everything the Saints have been through. And remember, the Saints want during their medicine, their their or well, their second medicine season of the um, of the Casper Breeze era. Um, they had um, they won eleven games, won their division, and had to travel to a seven win team. So we've been there. I, I, I ain't worried about that. Gonna be out. Where's gonna be out Monday? That's gonna be a key uh, loss for them. We can take advantage of that right there, man. Who's that? You know, who's that? Worse, for, uh, worse for the Bucks, the lineman. Oh, the offensive tackle. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best lineman is gonna be out and stuff like that. You know, well, what I mean, if 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 if, one, if the Saints' defensive line can wake up and play some football. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But I think we can get after Mankey. You know, he's a statue back there anyway. I just want to beat him. But it would be so nice just to beat him Monday oh. night because if we can win that game, we 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 both are basically be in the same position, but we probably have a little bit more momentum than them, than them going forward and stuff. And I think our defense is a little better than theirs. They get all the hype and all the praise and everything, but I think our defense is better. So I mean, I don't know. That's gonna be a big game Monday night. As strange as it seems, as it sounds right now, if both teams kind of struggling. That's gonna be a big game Monday night, Kevin. We gotta win that game Monday night, oh, Kevin. Gotta we win. can't expect gotta too win. much. Gotta win, but we got to win. We got gotta to win. win. Gotta get healthy. Later. Thanks for the call. Later. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Great stocking stuffers, great uh, weekend evening plans um, set if you win that. So you can't win those prizes or several others like Christmas comes early and other seasonal great prizes if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today. It's free. It's easy. Sign up today. All right. So we talked about some Cajun football Guess that what bold possibilities could happen. Got Cody's personal wishes. Cat wants to go to, uh, it's not spring training. No, Cody, they're not playing spring training games yet. The cat wants to go to Disneyland. Not a big Disneyland person, but no. Now I have daughters that would love to go, but not not really, not really, um, I kind of like to take a little break from traveling after the last few trips I've taken. Let's just put it that way. But, I feel like uh, our friendship is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. Why? Why don't you like Disneyland? Really Disney World. I love Disney World by Disneyland. I, I, I've i actually been to both, but it's been a long like, I went When I went to Disney World, it was the summer of 82. I remember seeing the sign, Epcot coming fall of 82. This, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Very different. I'm not a. I don't ride ride very much. I, I'm not a ride ride. I don't. I, roller coasters. No way. I. You know. No. So none of that stuff's good for me now. I also went to Disneyland about I don't know 15, 16 years ago. I mean, it was. It's all that stuff's fine. I love the atmosphere at amusement parks. I'm just not a ride rider, so it's just a bunch of walking mm. and standing for me. I love riding rides. My oh, first time I, I went to it. Disney World. I never actually been to Disneyland. It just seems off-putting to me every time I look at like video stuff for it. But I love Disney World. First time I went was my mom and my stepdad's honeymoon. So, the year of two thousand. I mean, when I was young, I remember. I mean, I went to Astro World. I loved it. I mean, I prefer going to the Astro Dome than to Astro World. But you know, I rode like rides then when I was a kid. But I didn't ride like the big roller coasters or anything. Oh, no. And so an adult riding kitty rides, like, they don't have, like, snow mountain. Like, I remember Snow Mountain at Asher World. When you go to these other places, there's no equivalent of Snow Mountain. I don't know what Snow Mountain is. It's it's kind of like, you know, you're on a ride. It's kind of like, a, you know, like you're riding a roller coaster, but it doesn't have all the big dips, and it's not, like, scary like a roller coaster is. You're just mm. riding, and you go through these cold areas and the hot areas and all these weird stuff. Anyway, it's more of a kitty ride. Which is about all I can take. I can't take all that 
Oh no, I love Thunder Mountain. It didn't take me though until a couple of years ago that I went in I think twenty fourteen that I went and I was able to do roller coasters and do heights. It was freaking me out, but I had pins. The little pins that you can get. I got those as my reward for going on roller coasters. Y'all can have all that stuff. No. <laughs> no. Not 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 for me. Uh not at all. So no, I'm Cody can go to Disney World. I'll take my little three hour trip to the Independence Bowl and come home. <laughs> but the to Cody's point, neither one of us get to make that decision. So we'll just wait and see what happens. All right, appreciate all the phone calls and their guests. Y'all have a nice day.